As we know, climate change is affecting the environment and ecosystems around the globe, but it's also affecting something common in many people's daily lives that we may never be able to enjoy in the same way again. Hello everyone, I'm Kristen Butler and I'm here with Margarita. Hi! And Karen. Hey! At the local wine festival here in Lugano, Switzerland. We are here to sample some of Lugano's delicious wines and experience the unique culture of the city. Lugano is a Swiss town on the Italian border nuzzled in the foothills of the Alps on a lake. It is a beautiful and charming community with strong Italian culture. Margarita is my friend and a student at Franklin University here in Lugano. Before I have Margarita tell me a little bit about wine culture and Lugano, I'm going to have my friend Karen, a wine connoisseur who just spent the weekend in Tuscany, Italy, wine tasting, explain for all the beginners out there, like me, how I should be drinking this wine. Karen, when I see people drinking wine who really know what they are doing, I feel super intimidated. I see this glass, I smell it, and I can tell you if it's white or red. I do. I know a fair amount about fine food and drink. Um, this is a white. <laughs> yeah, Kristen. You know, a lot of people feel that way at first. Obviously, you have your whites and reds, sweet and dry, and in these you're going to get notes of fruity, floral, and oak. So, since we're here in Lugano, the primary type of wine that's going to be grown is called a Merlot. So, let's pour some glasses and I'll walk you through the tasting steps. So the first step is going to be super easy for you, Kristen. Determine the color of this wine. Hmm. Red! I am an expert. Definitely. So next we smell. Give it a good swirl, oxygenate that bad boy, and put your nose entirely into the glass. Breathe in and see what you get. I'm getting notes of grape. Outstanding. So finally, you have the tasting. Take a big sip and swirl it around, making sure it touches all parts of the mouth. And that's all there is to it. That and years and years of experience. Wow, that's a lot less scary than it seemed. Not sure I'm the greatest at this yet, but I won't sit back and whine about it. Put a cork in it. Anyway, Margarita, tell me a little bit about this festival, the area we're in, and the relationship of wine with the culture here. Oh, of course. This festival is called Feast of the Courtyards. And, in fact, it is one of the common summer wine festivals around here. People come to enjoy various wines with other meals. There is also another wine festival happening in September this year. Now, if we talk about viticulture in this region, it is something that has been an inseparable part of Ticino for a while now. It began with a very extensive production method towards the end of 1700s, with crops associated between the rows of wine grapes, like corn and tobacco, and involved later into a strict focus on grape growing. Margarita, what is viticulture? So, viticulture is a word that originated from Latin, and it means vine. Um, basically, it is another way to say wine growing. Oh, okay. I feel fancier by the minute. So, how many grape growers do you think there are here in Ticino? The region Lugano is in. Seven. How many do you think there are? Ten. Cool. Um, three hundred? Uh, pretty close. 
If you multiply it by 10, there are around 3,800 grape growers in Ticino. Wow, we were way off. Wine really is important here. Yeah, some do it as a hobby, while others have become full-time professional winemakers. They cultivate their own grapevine and produce wine with their own grapes. So it is safe to say that winemaking is an inseparable part of people's identity here. I had no idea wine was so integral to the identity of Lugano. Yeah, actually this is not just the truth in Lugano, but all across the world. Winemaking and wine drinking are integrated into the culture of many other different places. Like Georgia, where I'm from. Yeah, also like it was in Italy. I actually had the chance to speak with the owner of a vineyard this past weekend, and he explained how delicate the process of winemaking actually is. Only good grapes produce good wine, he would say. The Chianti region, which he has called home forever, is an iconic wine region known for their selection of robust reds. This identity, however, is being threatened. He was saying, global warming is happening, and it's happening everywhere, and it will affect everything. In northern Italy, it's actually illegal to artificially water the grapes, so drier climates have been known to produce bad harvest years. Warmer and drier weather in the future means the increase in bad grape growing seasons, and again, only good grapes produce good wine. Yes, great that you bring up the climate change aspect of wine. Yeah, you know, this isn't just a conversation for Italy or the Swiss-Italian region, but a conversation happening all over the world. Iconic wine regions like Champagne, Bordeaux, and Napa Valley are all asking these questions. What's the future of wine going to look like? How is this millennium's old industry going to change in the next 50 to 100 years? Since grapes rely on a very specific environment to grow, changing climate threatens the ability of the fruit to continue to grow in those regions. Globally, as temperatures rise, the trend will be plants shifting towards the poles and higher altitudes because of the cooler temperatures compared to the hotter and drier climates they will face in their original locations. For famous wine-producing regions like Bordeaux, Champagne, and Napa Valley, their signature grapes will no longer be able to be grown. Warming climates and shifting rain belts is resulting in massive losses in grape production as grapes don't get sufficient water and experience extreme temperatures that cause them to wilt, dry up like raisins, or fall off the branches prematurely. Farmers are extremely worried about this because of economic losses and because the problems they are seeing today are only the beginning of the greater process of climate change. Moreover, since the regions that grow grapes for wine are such a niche climate, small changes have big effects on the greater communities in those regions. So, water allocation, like in Tuscany, Italy, and Napa Valley, California, will likely not be prioritized for grapes, especially if there are policies to prohibit this. This alters the entire identity of those regions, which may no longer be able to grow grapes for wine, consequently decimating iconic wine-producing industries. This doesn't mean that those grapes will no longer exist, however. They will just have to be grown further north. Areas such as England, for example, are becoming increasingly excited about the prospect of growing grapes for wine production. While they are very excited about this, though, not many French want to drink champagne from London. As grapes are grown in different regions, their flavor profiles change, as well as their branding. This is because different species of grapes require specific soil and environmental conditions that produce their unique flavors. Champagne is only truly champagne if it is grown in Champagne, France. So, once the climate becomes unsuitable for Champagne grapes to be grown, the world will lose traditional champagne. The same goes for other famous grapes. Back here in Lugano, Switzerland, 
Franklin University President Dr. Gregory Warden spoke about the university's hopes to reopen a wine vineyard on a plot of land they have. In making these plans, they are having to consider climate change and how this may affect the types of grapes that they can grow for wine production. And uh, now we're asking the question uh, about what varietal we should plant in that vineyard. Uh, because obviously it's going to take five years for this to come to production. We want something that will be working in 10 or 15 years. Uh, if the climate stays the way it is now, we would plant Merlot probably, the way everyone else does around here. But given that the climate is changing, and changing rather fast, we think, uh, the question is what are we going to plant? Are we going to plant a more southern varietal, a varietal that uh, does better in the kind of heat that we may have here in the future? So right here in Lugano, this is something we're already thinking about right now. So the question is, if the climate changes, should we go with some varietal that prefers uh, a hotter climate? We could go down to Piemonte and look at varietals there, or even farther to the south in Tuscany, where it might be Sangiovese or something of that kind. Or in the long term, we may even ask whether some very southern varietals like Primitivo or Nero d'Avola might be uh, the best thing here. So, we will have to rethink the species of wine we grow in each location. This will have implications for growers who will have to reshape their art of viticulture, consumers who will have to adapt their preferences, and regions who may lose their iconic identities. It's the little things in life that really make it special. It's New Year's Eve and you pop open a bottle of champagne at midnight or sitting around a dinner table after a long day sipping your favorite red. There are life's little pleasures and they may not be around one day. People might think of climate change as glaciers melting thousands of miles away, not affecting them to a noticeable degree. It's different when it's in your home. Things aren't so easy to brush under the rug when it's generations of tradition all over the world having an expiration date. As we drink our local Merlot here in the heart of Lugano, we are left to sip on this idea. Wine culture as we know it is beginning to change and we will have to rethink and retaste everything. So while we leave you to sip on this, we're going to find more Merlot to sip on here at the festival. From all of us in Lugano, we hope you have a great night and thank you for joining us tonight. If you liked this podcast, please follow our page. If you didn't, please redirect your frustration to at real Donald Trump Twitter account and yell at him for perpetuating fake news that climate change isn't real. Thank you all for listening. Cheers! This science communication podcast is brought to you by Franklin University, Switzerland and the University of Miami.